Hey! Welcome back, my Galip Glops, to another installment of the MM Together podcast, and this is your host, Blake Abedes. Hey everyone, shout out my boy Rick Sanchez and Morty Smith in that intro. We've got one more episode for this half season of Rick and Morty. Let's see what shenanigans they're going to get into, because they're the most dynamic dude in the universe. Convince me otherwise. I'll wait. Just like Pritzker. To open the state. Because it's almost June! We're almost halfway through the year, folks. We've been dealing with corona since, you know, end of February, not according to Trump. So, March, April, May? Fuck, three months? That's almost a quarter of the year gone by, folks. What rocks have we uh, flipped over? What secrets have we unturned and uncovered about ourselves? The flip side ain't always cool like the other side of the pillow, so we found out. Unless you can't get out of your bed because that depression got you stuck. And you know what? I relate and I empathize. And, you know, hopefully this podcast gives you some semblance of a community. Got a great episode in store today for you with a friend of mine. Pretty much everyone who comes on the show of mine is a friend of mine. Pretty much everyone I meet is a friend of mine. I just enjoy people. Uh... Caio Oliveira, he's a black belt. He's a coach at the UFC gym, Yorktown. He's actually also repped some of my some of my matches. Not like I'm going to sit here and boast about my matches. I'm a fat goose egg and 17, but, you know, we talk a little bit about the nuances of competing and refing and how that plays into his game as a competitor, as well as coaching. Um, so that's about it. A couple of notes to preface this episode, I had the gain level so fucked up on this. Uh, you can hear me drinking water a few times, my squeaky-ass chair, so I apologize for the audio on this one. It's kind of difficult when I have to record uh, the podcast over my phone because I have to use speakerphone, and sometimes I have to adjust it a little bit to pick up everything that our guest is saying, so you get a little bit of extra a little bit extra background noise and like i said for that i apologize so thanks again for tuning in and listening let's jump right into it Kyle Oliveira time for the tale of the tape and to get things started we're going to kick it off with the tale of the tape weighing in on the other end of this iphone call that had your boy Blake Abedis fuck with the game too much and now part of the episode sounds shitty we have Caio Caesar Oliveira with a cumulative reach of 1,768 followers. My name is Caio Caesar Oliveira. Um, I'm born in Sao Paulo, Brazil. I've been living in Chicago, Illinois for the past 18, 19, 20 years. I'm a black belt under um, Andre Luis Leite, a.k.a. Paneco. Uh, I train under Mark Vives at Newbury Training Center. I'd like to give a quick shout-out to my sponsors as well. Um, thank you to Fuji Sports USA for always keeping me fresh with the best gear, um, as well as BJJ Tees, um, the best um, BJJ Tees in the market, um, uh, Kombucha, and uh, Trials and Tribulation as well. You can find me on the social media. Uh, my Instagram is BrazilYo. BJJ, again, Brazil, yo, BJJ, um, and you can find me on Facebook at Kyle Caesar Oliveira. So, uh, I mean, I see you're a fucking iron chef when you're not in a gym. <laughs> I try, I try. <laughs> like, it, it's not even, uh, I don't know, like, I, I'm, I've been so bad about, like, keeping up with some people, like. This whole podcast project, like, it's it's almost like a full-time job, man. Like, producing the thing, like, fucking hosting it, booking interviews and shit and editing everything. It's been a trip, man. But yeah, the few things I catch up on, man, you just, uh, you look like you're itching to be in, like, one of those, like, at home, like, you know, like, the next America's, like, next Top Chef or whatever. Or Master Chef. There we go. Master Chef. Fuck. That took me too long to get there. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, you're just trying to stay busy however we can, you know, sometimes we're drawing, sometimes we're cooking, cleaning, painting, you know, I just, uh, I'm so, like, I'm super hyperactive, so it's really hard for me not to be, like, doing, being up and about, you know, doing something, I love cooking, you know, cooking is, it's always been one of my, my great passions, so... 
do you find it to be therapeutic or is it more just like to like expand i guess like your i don't want to say mental capacity because like i do it not because it's therapeutic i do it because it's challenging and like it's an opportunity to learn more things if that makes sense yeah, I mean, I like cooking, you know, I enjoy cooking. I've worked in the restaurants for a very long time, so you kind of, like, learn the hang of it, you know? I got you. So, I didn't know that you worked yeah, in the I, restaurants. Yeah, I used to work at, a, at the Brazilian Steakhouses downtown um, for a while, you know? They didn't They didn't make you wear those uh, gaucho pants, did they? No, no I was a server <laughs> then. <laughs> uh, I was a server, you know. So um, we just wear like we just had to wear like a like a vest, like a button up, and like a tie, shit, you know. I got you. I got you. I I just couldn't yeah. imagine a pair of gaucho pants. You could have just wore gi pants. I imagine get away with it to some degree. Just tuck them into some boots. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the guys that pass down the meat, those are the ones that are really dressed up like the gotcha. I mean, they're the gotcha, you know. Yeah, those, uh, the ambience there is something else. Were you, uh, yeah. were you born in Brazil, Caio? I was. I was born in Sao Paulo, actually. When did you, uh, move to the States? How long did you grow up in Sao Paulo? to 14 years old along there um my mom I was I was my mom was was like a manager at a restaurant in Brazil and then she one of her cooks came to work here in Chicago and then she was gonna go to Canada so she decided to go over here she started working and you know at the time I was living in Brazil with my grandma and then um you know, I ended up starting with judo, um, started competing in judo, um, you know, and, uh, and then from there I ended up, like, on my way home I saw the jiu-jitsu gym and I was like, what is this? I just trained, you know? So it was a bit different from judo, so that's how it all started, I guess, you know? And that, okay, so that's when you were still living at home in Brazil then? How long, yeah, uh... Yeah, yeah. I, if I remember correctly from some of our other conversations, you did progress in judo, like, some ways, didn't you? Yeah, I got it to my, like, uh, I think it was a blue belt in judo. Um, and then after that, like, I just started doing jiu-jitsu, so I just kind of, like, gave up on judo in a way, you know? Kind of, like, fell in love with jiu-jitsu. Um... But that was, a, like, I was very young. I was probably, like, eight or nine, you know. And then, um, yeah, and then I started doing jiu-jitsu uh, when I was around probably, like, 12 to 13, 12 to 13. And then, um, yeah, and then started as a hobby. And, you know, it became my life, I guess, you know. Do you remember, uh, who did you train under? initially or your first gym so, it was, so our team used to be under Hosey and Gracie which is he's uh, cousins with Carson Gracie and my name is Severino Soares his nickname is uh, Gida um, unfortunately he passed away already um, with the Zika virus um one of the mosquitoes, I mean, he got pneumonia, and then he ended up going to the intense care unit and didn't make it. So he promoted me from white belt to purple belt, so I got all my belts with him. So when I came here, I was already, I was I was training already in Brazil, and I came as a blue belt, and then I went back to Brazil, I got promoted to purple, and then he was the one that promoted me from white to yellow to green, blue, purple, and then that's when I came here, and then I stopped training jiu-jitsu for a while, and then I started back 
and then I got promoted to brown and then to black here in the U.S. Now, did you get your brown and black belt both at a new breed or cross? No, no, I used to train under Andre Maneco at Soul Fighters. And um, that was the closest gym to my house. And then um, and I, I know him from back in the day, um, you know, uh, we were, and then I started training with him, and uh, as, as a pro belt, and we started getting better, um, you know, uh, competing in 2016, we started doing well, um, started, like, making it to the podium, um, you know, top three, and then, um, and then he promoted it to brown belt. And then after that, I continued competing with Fight to Win and all these local tournaments, grappling games, grappling industries. Um, you know, and then um, I decided to um, keep training, you know, keep focusing. I got third at War Nogi uh, in 2017, um, you know, and just kept on placing all around there in Chicago and, and Dallas and Cincinnati and, um, you know, all over the place. So, yeah, pretty much. Um, what I got a- promoted from brown, from brown to black here in the U.S. under my Yes. Gotcha. So then it was after you became a black belt. That's when you started training at um, <laughs> your new gym, which I keep saying yes, is a new right. breed, but it's it's actually crossbreed, right? No, it is. It is new breed. You're oh, right. it is. Damn. It is new breed. Fuck. So it is new breed. So what a like at what point along that journey did you start competing and training in MMA? So I that was you know like I was I it was right after I got my black belt you know so I was like I wanted to see if jujitsu really worked inside the cage and how I could uh, be able to defend myself and be able to you know. Um, put on a good fight as well without getting hurt as well as applying the technique, you know. I hear you. So I think it was after I got my bike, I wanted to test myself for sure. So, you know. How did it work out for you? Because I know you you won your last fight, right? If I remember. Yeah, so my, I'm I'm 2-0 in amateur MMA. Um, Both my fights are fought on the fight card. Uh, entertainment. The first fight I won uh, with a rear naked choke on the second round. Uh, and my second fight I won um, uh, submission of the night, which is a first first round, first minute armbar finish. So those were my two two fights so far. I got I had I, got, I had a fight scheduled for May second, but it got pushed June thirteenth because the the coronavirus, you know. Um, so yeah, man. Uh, try to you know stay undefeated and um, you know keep working, keep training, you know. Um, yeah, and I think the results come when you put in that work. And who's that? Who's the promoter for that fight that you said got moved to June thirteenth? Uh, it's Fight Card Entertainment. Fight Card yeah. Entertainment. You know where that's taking yeah. place. Uh, I think it's going to be in River Grove, somewhere in River Grove. I think it's at the Burren High School, if I'm not mistaken. Um, things are still the same. Yeah. I believe it's in River Grove, yeah. Gotcha. That's not too far. I'll have to come check it out. Fuck, maybe even yeah, do like my yeah. first live broadcast and they just won't know about it. I'll just like high key, just like <laughs> broadcast like a play-by-play. From the stands. There you go. There you go. Yeah, man. Uh, it's. I think you just gotta. We just gotta find new outlets to be productive and busy, and, and just maintain the body, the body and the mind busy. You know. Yeah, I can only shrimp across my apartment so many times before I just get bored. <laughs> but dude, I've been working on side shrimping, and I'm getting a lot better. Cause I was like, oh man, these love handles are coming in. Better start doing some shit. Yeah, man, all you, all you want to do is, like, eat, you know? It's, uh, it's crazy. Oh, man, yeah, like, 
it's so hard. Like I'll start doing a few move, like a few movements, and I'm like, man, like how do I do this for two hours at any given time? And then like just keep going at it harder and harder. It's so odd how you can find like motivation and drive from like an environment of people, but then when you're by yourself, like I, I don't say like the drive's not there, but it's almost like the the vibe isn't there to like put it out there. You know, it's just a weird dynamic. Like whenever you're with like other people, it's kind of like they motivate you to push yourself to, you know. And when you're by yourself, it's like you still have, you don't have to push, but not the same as if you had a partner, you know. Oh yeah, sure. I miss training partners for real. Well, I just miss practice too. I miss all of it. I think I miss, everybody misses I miss all of it. Jiu Jitsu in general, yeah. yeah. All aspects of it, you know. Um. Dude, I just keep watching videos like through uh, BJJ Fanatics because Hanardo Faria and John Donaher both gave away a free video series for the quarantine. Yeah. yeah, and I've been going through the the John Donaher video series for like drills, just basic jujitsu drills. And he's like, he breaks down the philosophy of like even shrimping, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, a lot of times I'm just going through the movement. I'm not actually doing this with like the attempt to, like, escape out of a mount. And I'm like, maybe this is what fucking you're telling me and Alex is telling me, like, when you're trying to get that, like, initial bump and, like, escape your leg. And I'm like, and this is just what I'm missing. And it's like, I really want to know. I just want to put it into use and see if that's what it is. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's just, like, the missing details that we need, you know? Like, we just have to watch it. Other people do it. You know, it's... It's one thing when you're there and I'm teaching you the position and you're doing it, but it's also one thing when I'm like there and seeing you execute the position the proper way. You know what I mean? Like, and I feel like just sometimes it's just a small twitch and small detail that's just missing. That you know, sometimes we watch a video here and there and then we just realize, you know, what was missing or what we needed to do. You know, what we weren't doing. I guess. Like that's uh, that's a point that came up with my conversation with Alex and Danya and why, like, he likes having the instructors in the program that he has just because of the different insight, the different perspective, the different styles. Um, it all adds to everybody's game cumulatively. And, like, I know I shared with you for the time that I took away in Louisville before I came back to Yorktown and then initially became acquainted with you. Like, I was at a Derby City MMA and there was over a dozen different instructors and coaches so the amount of different styles and perspectives you get to hear from it all kind of you know illuminates like a different part of you know your game that you didn't know existed until they kind of shine that light there and like let you in on those details and you get to have those aha moments yeah and it's awesome because everybody has like their own way their own style of like teaching you know their own like forte you know so it's, uh, it's it's nice having like different different you know points of views or different like detail oriented you know instruction coming from like multiple instructors, which is it makes it makes it. I think it's also really great, like really good for for the students. You know, the, you know everybody that's there learning from you know. You're learning from Alex, you're learning from Marcelo, you're learning from me, Adida, like, all these, you know, learning from Dania, all these people have a little bit to contribute, you know, in their own way to everybody's game in general, you know? Yeah, and I mean, I think the, the point of emphasis, too, within the teaching method, like, for instance, when it comes to your style of teaching and why I favored your classes the moment I came back was the repetition of all the important things that, like, you know you need to do, but you get lost in doing because you're trying to, like, skip steps to go, you know, to the end or the submission. Like, the passing, the control, the details within the passing, you know, and then it's always setting up a simple submission, but always starting at that pass and then the control, which I know early on in, like, my journey through it this far is always the hardest thing to remember. Because you can't force the submission until you have the position completely controlled. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, that's what we say. That's position over submission. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's how I believe, like, if you have a good position, like, the submission is going to show up, it's going to come, you know, so it's, I, I think it's, it's important to improve the position rather than focus on the submission so much, you know, sometimes if you win a match without submitting, yeah, the goal is to submit, the goal is to win, correct, but you have also to use the strategy that's given, you know, and if you have a good position, you can maintain a good position. You know, sometimes you try to go for an attack, for a submission, and then you end up losing the good position. So it's like, wouldn't you much rather stay in a good position than try to attack a submission than lose the good position that you had, you know? Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I've lost that way. I've done that. I wish I would have just held it. So yeah, absolutely. But again, like, you know, there's importance in all of it, and... You know, I, I guess the sports that I grew up in and competing in, like, I just appreciate the drilling and the constant repetition. Because, like, yeah, I can know how to do a bunch of things. And it goes back to that old, uh, you know, Bruce Lee quote, like, don't fear the man who knows a thousand kicks. Fear the man who knows one kick that he's practiced a thousand times or some offshoot of that. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I think, you know, repetition builds muscle memory, you know. So I feel like the more you repeat the same movement or, you know, the same motions that goes into an arm bar, I feel like the more you're going to be comfortable with, like, to see that the arm bar is there, let's say you're in a mount, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the steps that you have to take to finish, you know what I mean? So the re- I like those. Oh. Yeah, the recognition. And the steps also help too when it comes to chaining. Like, because when you realize, like, where you can switch a grip, or start to bring an arm a different way or a limb a different way, then you know how to attack the position from, like, numerous angles. And, like, when you get hell-bent on trying to do it one way, like, it doesn't always work. And that that's, like, what kind of goes into, like, the game of chess or however anyone narrates that, like, the traps that you set, etc., etc. But once you have the recognition for those placements, those grips, those submissions even things start to, like, make a shit ton more sense. I'm having a hard time, like, coming up with an analogy for it, but it's almost like, um... I don't know. I'd imagine, like, going into some foreign country, like Germany, and then, like, putting in a pair of those, like, Google headphones that can just translate everything. Like, not knowing what the fuck's being said. I don't know. Could probably do better with that analogy, but I digress. So what point, like at what point along your um, your career through martial arts did you start to, well, A, coach, and then B, ref? So I think, like, competing, I think the more you know about the rules, how, how, how they work, I think the, the better you prepared you, you probably will be, you know? Because you, then you know what are the rules of the game, right? I think, like, growing up with uh, a referee, uh, like, my professor was a, was a referee at the time, and then also teaching us the rules and how to how to work the strategy, how to work the clock, how to keep, like, a good pace, um, I think also helped me throughout my competition game, you know what I mean? To, like understand how to compete in a better way, in a better effective way. You know what I mean? You like let's say once you go to compete, you have five, six minutes, depending on your belt, seven, eight minutes, ten minutes, right? So if you're an adult black belt, you're fighting for ten minutes. So how do you? And sometimes they have three, four matches. You know, so you have to use, you know the strategy and the whole game, not just in the combat, combativeness, you know, but as in a whole, as like knowing how to score points or how to maintain a position or, you know, just like knowing the rules, I think also helps you become a better fighter, right? Because then you know what you're working with. And then it just started out like, like in, it was like an inside like in-gym kind of competition, and then 
my professor used to be like, oh, okay, so you're going to be the referee, and I'm going to correct you if I do something, some mistakes. And then, you know, so, and then we'll make a mistake, and then he'll correct us, and he would tell us why, you know. So I think that also helped. Um, and on top of that, like, you know, I've read for IBGJF before, and I've always been refereeing for, you know, grappling games and grappling industries. Uh, you know, to ref for IBGJF, you are required to take a, a rules course. After that, you can take the RTP, which is the Referee Training Program, also provided by the IBJJF, and then you go through a training process, you watch some videos, you know you know about the rules, and then they'll give you a test, and you also got to take another test. Um, so I think knowing the rules of the game and knowing how to apply them, like while I'm competing, I think it's also made, like, my competing style better in a way and it's also the lack of like quality refs people who are actually competing and really involved with the sport that really know what they're doing or know what they're talking about and that they're well prepared it's 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 just a few people that you can probably like it's probably like a handful of people more than a handful, like, they are qualified to rap and know what they're talking about. Because anybody can go over there and rap and be like, oh, I know the rules. I can rap, you know what I mean? But a few people will go through the course of knowing the, the rules and knowing how to rap, you know what I mean? So I think, and it's also like, throughout the time that you rap, I think people and coaches and family members and, and, and trainers, they look at you with more like ease, knowing that you are you're probably going to be cautious with the kid, or probably going to start the match before you know somebody gets hurt. You know, so people start trusting that if they have their kid or their athlete on on a mat that's qualified ref, it's refereeing. They'll probably they'll feel more secure. You know what I mean? They'll feel more at ease when somebody knows what they're doing. If they're, Options, you know, some some parents they're they're gonna scream at you. Hey, why did you stop? He didn't tap. You know, I prefer to stop, and the kid goes home healthy. Then the kid goes home with a broken bubble from not tapping from an armbar. You know I me. Mean? Oh yeah, man, I've been there. I've been on the receiving end of that, but I'm not really gonna blame the the ref on not stopping it if he saw it. Like I'm a grown ass man. <laughs> but yeah, no. I, uh, I'm not a parent, so obviously I can't relate from that perspective, but I, uh, I 100%, like 110% agree. Like, a lot can go wrong, especially when you don't know 100% exactly what you're doing or how to defend things. Like, a lot can go wrong. So, having that, um, oversight from a more experienced set of eyes, like, I mean, it's admirable. Like, it's what's needed. Like, I think there needs to be less ignorance in sports like this where things can go wrong because it's not, you know, it's cliche at this point, but, like, it's not being played, you know? You're not playing at jiu-jitsu. You're not playing at wrestling. You're not playing at MMA. Like, it's all fighting to some degree. Yeah, and sometimes it's just like it takes an inch just to pop or to break or to tore a ligament or whatever, you know what I mean? So sometimes I think it's I'd rather stop and be cautious, then let it go, and then, like, wait for something to happen, and be like, oh, the referee didn't stop, you know what I mean? So, I think it's, and, it, and throughout the years, like, you you watch and you learn with other older refs, too, by observing how they ref, you know, how careful they are, or how they give the commands, you know, I think a lot of people, they think it's just like, oh, you know, fight, you know, I think, and stop. I think it goes a lot more than that, you know. Um, and it's, I think it's important to be righteous, you know, to be correct. You know, if a match goes 0-0, zero, zero, who are you going to give to, you know, for somebody that you know, or are you going to do the right thing and make the right call and be like, no, this guy was the aggressor. I think that he deserves to, to win, you know. Sometimes it goes to referee's decision, and sometimes it's a tough call, you know. But it's part of the job, I guess. Absolutely. I know I was actually going to take your advice on that with IBJJF. Um, well, it was supposed to be this month. Or no, late last month. 
I forget. Channel open? Yeah. I thought it was early. Either way, whenever it was, I was going to enroll in the the referee class. Because, like, exactly like you just said to me right now, like, I think if you know the rules and how it's going to be scored and how it's going to be judged, like, you know how to react and how to, you know, strategize in certain situations. Then it just helps for that overall understanding. <clears throat> but, you know, it's like... I, I think, like, and I've mentioned this before, like, it goes one of two ways. I think, like, people, like, really get balls deep in something like this, and, like, they just need to know everything, and I feel like that's where I stand. I don't think it's, like, unhealthy to this point yet, but, like, I for sure want to be on all levels of it. And eventually coach, too, like, if the opportunity arises, because, like, I just love fucking helping people, and I love learning, and I feel like coaching helps, like, fortify what you know in it. When did you get started coaching? Um, I mean, it's always been a natural instinct, like, to wanting to see your teammate win, you know? So it's just, like, instinctively, like, I just, like, start screaming and shouting to my teammates and, um, you know, you know, telling them the time and the points. And so I think it was just, like, it's a natural thing that was just, like, in me that little by little I just started becoming better and better at it, you know? And it's, 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 your athlete, it's very coachable. It's, it's, it becomes very easy, you know, because sometimes you're on the outside, you're seeing things or certain movements that you know where the other person, the opponent's going to move to, and then you can guide your, you know, your athlete, your, your teammate, you know, hey, move this way, hey, move that way, hey, be careful, you know, watch out, you know, so, and it's, it's your partner, your teammate, whatever, you know, it's it's very coachable. I think it's getting easier, you know. Yeah. But I think it was just like a more natural thing that just, it just I guess it was just in me. I just, you know, wanted, wanted to see the progression of others, you know. So. Do you feel as if, like, because you know the things that you know, like, maybe not obligated to pass those things on, but, like, you feel like you contribute, I guess, to the legacy, like, of the sport in doing so by, like, help grooming, like, another class of athletes. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Like, even sometimes, like, people that aren't from my team, like, I'm there coaching and, you know, cheering for them. You know, I feel like, you know, my profession to learn from somebody, that learn from somebody that I, you know, so it's kind of like passed down. It's like the wheel making a full circle around. You know what I mean, so it got passed down to my professor, and then my professor passed down to me. And I, I feel like it's not for everybody to like coach and teach, right? But I feel like if I learned it, I think I want to share that that knowledge and keep the full circle going. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And like also, be able be able to teach what I know, you know, what was passed down to me, like, to others, and then others be able to pass down to other people, and so on, you know, it makes the, the complete circle, um, you know, makes it a full circle. I Yeah, I 100% agree with that, and I think, like, what blows my mind still is because it's not really all that old yet the sport as a whole, like ju- like Japanese jiu-jitsu more so, but they're, we're only removed from the, like the original Gracie family by only a couple generations. And I think that's what's really so cool to me is like, it's not its inception by any means, but I feel like several hundred years from now, like whenever humans like look back on this time, like if it's still something that they study, like to just know that, like, that was, like, an art that I was a part of, at least for a little bit of human history, I just think it's cool. And if you're someone who can pass on those virtues and those lessons, I think that's, like, even more cool because, like, you're preserving history and you're preserving art, and that in and of itself is, like, I think one of the most coolest fucking things anyone could do. Yeah, man, for sure. I feel like... You know, if you have something in you that you are able to share with others and then with the knowledge that you pass down to them, they can pass down to somebody else, 
it's like it's it's an art itself right there you know so it's, I feel like it's, it's a progression you know uh, and you're probably gonna be doing like a twitch better than somebody else or you know you know like a, an adjustment or you know so I feel like and because we're so blessed to have like so many you know so many good instructors you know at the gym that's like Marcello Marcello's like a fifth degree black belt you know what I mean like that guy's is like he's like a walking encyclopedia of jiu-jitsu you know he lives so much he knows so much that it's like you know he knows way more than you know probably me and a lot of other people together you know what I mean I had a conversation with him about that one day just because I don't know like for some reason, like, he, he's always one of the most, like, cheery guys, like, I've ever known. Like, I'll see him, like, because I don't normally see him, but, like, once every, well, few weeks, the last time I saw him. But I used to see him every day when I broke my arm, because he'd have those morning classes. So every class he'd have at UFC Gym Yorktown, like, I'd be there. And he'd have some of the craziest stories about, like, I know one time he was up with, like, Donaher and GSP, and then another time he was with Matt Sarah, and then another time he was telling me about, I forget, but all the people who I idolize, and it's like, wow, through one degree of connection, like, he knows all of those people. And, like, then you see, like, how tight the circle actually runs for, like, this type of interest, this type of lifestyle, and, like, it's a... I overuse the phrase, but it's just fucking mind blowing, man. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's some people have been doing this way longer than we even thought. You know, it's like some people have been doing this for twenty, thirty, forty years. You know, um, some people are black belt for twenty, thirty years already. You know, so it's like. It's been around for a while, you know. We're just, you know, the up-and-coming new generation, you know. And, like, even to see, at least from all the old matches that I can find, like, through Fight Pass, especially, like, UFC 1, 2, like, just to see the transformation and the progression in the jiu-jitsu game... And even, like, not even the progression so much. Like, I didn't realize how fucking prevalent leg locks were, like, early on in the UFC. Like, heel hooks and straight ankles. You don't hardly see them too much today. Like, every so often. But just to see, like, the different ways to attack it and go about it. And, like, that's what's so cool about social media. And having all those accounts out there where people are posting, you know, their training, their moves, and everything. It's just, like... It's such a wonderful time to be a student. Yeah, man. I mean, and it's like the sport's always evolving, you know? Um, so, like, think about it. How many years ago De La Hiba created that guard and it's been used into today, you know what I mean? Like, the evolution of Darren Bolo, you know what I mean? Like, like with the Meow Brothers, you know, and, and everybody else. So, it's, it's like progression of the moves and, and the game throughout the years has been like mind-blowing like you said you know so I think it's uh, we have to it's within our duty to keep up with everything that's going on and all the changes you know or else you you know be left behind you know yeah absolutely what's the what's the competition experience like like difference in between mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu, are you more confident going into one than the other, or is it, like, the same amount of nerves? Like, do you prepare for them similarly, or is it a whole, like, are they two different ball games entirely? I think the preparation for a jiu-jitsu competition and MMA competition are completely different, you know? Um, I, I, I try to train... Um, anywhere from, like, four to five times a week, um, you know, especially teaching, training, working. Um, and, and you know, when you're, when you're fighting for jiu-jitsu, you're thinking about specifically just jiu-jitsu, you know. You think about the takedowns, you think about the sweeps, you think about the submissions, the escapes, the passes, you know. Um, 
And once you're focusing or putting on a camp for an MMA fight, then it's like uh, one day we're doing specifics and the other day we're doing bag work and then the other day we're doing wall work. And then there's a combination of wall work, wrestling, um, and then there's a sparring session. You can't spar every day because your body can't handle so much, you know, um, so you probably spar twice a week and then, you know, do mitt work and then do wrestling. So I think the preparation is it's quite different. Um, the camp as well for each each modality, you know. So I feel like it's the way I prepare is different when I'm competing jiu-jitsu from when I'm competing uh, MMA. I understand that the preparation of both are different because the sports are entirely different and like the components of the competition are different. However, like when you get to pre-fight, whether that's MMA or jiu-jitsu, regardless, like is there like a similar mindset that you need to be in because it is going into a competition that's a fight and they're similar in that regard or because the preparation's been entirely different for both sports you're in a completely separate mind frame entering both different competitions. Yeah, so when I'm fighting jiu-jitsu, like, like you go through the bullpen, you get weighted in, you check your gi, you go through the scale, and then, like, you're inside the bullpen. I feel like, for me, when I'm competing jiu-jitsu, I like to put my music on, I like to, like, get in my zone, and then whenever we get called in, then the, then... You know, it's goal time. With, you know, with MMA, it's like, you know what time you're going to fight. You know exactly, uh, you know, it's, it's you follow the schedule. And I feel like the mindset that I use is just like, the more prepared that I am, it's it's the more ready I will be. You know what I mean? So if, if, I, if I did in my homework and I trained enough and I put all the work that I needed to put, Prior to the fight, I I'm good. You know what I mean? It's once you're in there, it's something that you can't control. You know, moves are gonna happen. You you can control what you do, but you can't control pretty much the outcome of the fight, right? It's gonna unfold. So I feel like if you put in the work, doesn't matter what sport you're doing, and you put in the preparation, you put in the dedication, the time. And, you know, the commitment, I think the results will probably show by itself instead of, you know, you, you know, talking. You just put in the work and you let the, you know, the, your work show the results pretty much. I follow. I get you. How's the quarantine affected your mental health? Are you pretty much ahead of it or is that like what we were talking about earlier where you just stay busy, been doing things around the house, been cooking to try and mitigate that? Yeah, I mean, you know, cooking is, I mean, I live by myself, so it's like, I love to cook anyways, because if I don't cook, like, I either have to go buy food or whatever, but I'd rather go buy food and cook it at home and, you know, cook in my way, and, um, you know, I, I paint in my living room, I paint in my house, my bathroom, my live, my bedroom, um, so, you know, it's, I fix my garage, I have some mats here um, I, in my garage, and, uh, so I just roll out the mats, and I try to exercise over there. I have my bike as well. I've been biking a lot, um, running. I've been jogging. Um, so it's, you know, just trying to stay healthy and um, try to stay busy, you know. Uh, I think that's the most important of it, you know. Stay healthy, stay busy, you know, and uh, you can just, like, be a couch potato. I just can't, you know. I have too much energy, so... For me, it's it's kind of been hard, but it's also like you can go outdoors at least, and you can bike around and play ball at the park, and you know just move around. It's not as as if I were to go to be training jujitsu, you know, but at least trying to stay active and healthy, and you know, with all that's going on, I think that's it's very important, you know. Oh, so stay, stay complete strong, you know, physically healthy, eat good, you know, drink a lot of water, stay hydrated. I think that's 
that's the, the most important part of it, you know, take care of the house and, you know, so this, this two shot pass, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I wish I would have started this podcast a few months ago and gotten a sponsor. That way maybe I could get some mats for my apartment because I am going bananas. <laughs> like, I'm getting hit up by so many people at the gym. It's like, do you know anyone who has mats? Do you know anyone who has mats? And they're like, oh, maybe we should hit up Ken. Maybe we should hit up Ken and see if we can go over there. But I think Ronnie might be onto something now, so I might be able to get my fix in at least for a little bit. At least to move around, you know, that's <laughs> good. Oh, shit. Him with that geek this is the segment where our guest is going to let you into their lives just a little bit more with an exclusive story that they necessarily don't tell everyone when they are asked about their trials and tribulations. Inspired from this segment is a playlist. You can find it on Apple Music and Spotify. It contains all the songs that are inspiring of all our guests up to date. So after this episode, go to wherever you listen to music and make sure you listen, like, and subscribe. I think, I think for me... Um, the most important marks of my career was to, you know, step into like a world's, you know, podium, you know, which was in 2017 for Worlds No Gi. I made it into the semifinals and then I lost by one advantage. Um, Damn. you know, and I picked third and then I went to the open division and then I lost my second qualifier so I think that was 2017 was a very good year every year is good every year is different you know um, also I feel like 2018 was also a very good year like it was a transition um, there was a lot of like personal growth personal um, overcomings um, that I had and you know winning my first competition you know, a gold medal as a black belt was very important to me, especially during that transition time, you know. So I think those are very memorable moments for me. I mean, there are multiple memorable moments, but I think those moments are were very marking and throughout my, you know, my career. I think I still have a lot to put out there, but, you know, so far I think those were, like, remarkable moments for me for sure. Um, you know, being at the world's podium, I uh, it was awards no gear 2017, and as well as getting my my first gold medal in Cincinnati in 2018 as well. So, you know, I think uh, you know things are only getting better. So, so you didn't win. Start. Go ahead. You didn't win your first gold medal in any kind of competition until you were a black belt. Did I understand that correctly? No, 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 no. I won. I won as a brown belt. I won Chicago Open. I won Denver, Gi and Ogi. Um, I won um, Cincinnati. Um, no, I won a few. I won a few before before I got my my black belt for sure. Oh, I was like, man, like to win your first gold as a black belt and to be that accomplished prior, like, shit, that's impressive. I feel like the first one is black belt. I feel like as you get your black belt, that's when they really started counting. Not that those didn't count. You know what I mean? But that's when really, like, like the pressure is on. You know what I mean? That's when the real career starts. Well, Not that's that, like the last evolution, know, man. You're like the Charizard. You're the Blastoise at that point. You ain't fucking around with no, like, Bulbasaurs and shit. Yeah, I mean, shit. It's, it, it's, it, it's the hardest, you know? It's the hardest that you can be the hardest level. Um, so I think winning at the level, I think it's, I think it's very satisfying it's very you know rewarding especially after like all these years training and working and seeing like that hard work paying off you know as this podcast draws to a close and we enter the fifth and final round we can't get there without first visiting our corner and see what advice they have to dish out exiting this bout dish out some of that cornerman counsel yeah i mean i just tell them to keep their head up you know uh that they got this that, you know, that we prepared for this and this is what we came here for. And then, uh, you know, that, I don't know, I think that that's just trying to be positive and motivational. I think, I think it's important. doesn't matter the outcome. I think, you know, uh, being a quarterman or being a coach or, you know, um, 
only only you know how much the athlete or the fighter worked to get to to that level, you know. Or so I think it's very important to keep the head up. Um, the outcome we can't control. We can we can control the preparation. We can control um, what everything that we need to do before we get to. And it's the final round. We have to finish strong, you know. So just be motivational and be positive. Um, you know, no matter the outcome, I think it's important to be there um, and and be supportive. You know, yeah, I love that. A lot of good stuff there, Kyle. I, um, you know, this is like always the vibe I kind of got from you as a coach. But you know, I don't think I ever could have expected to receive it unless uh, I set up this podcast like during this quarantine. It's been like super cool to get to know you. Um, I know before all this happened, you got the head coaching job at the UFC gym on the north side of town. Um, pending what happens with all this COVID stuff, I'm really proud of what you were able to achieve there. Like, I'm grateful I got to be your student for the time that I've been and hopefully continue to. Um, thanks again for joining me. Like, I really appreciate your support and coming onto the podcast and getting to talk to all of our listeners and telling your stories. Hopefully we get to do a follow-up episode uh, with some more someday. Um, but again, though, for everyone out there, if we want to follow you some more and support you on social media, and if you want to give a shout out to your sponsors, uh, what were all those? Uh, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure uh, to talk a little bit about me. Um, I love to share a little bit uh, about the knowledge that I have um, with everyone else. Uh, you can find me on social media on Facebook at Kyle Caesar Oliveira. And on Instagram at Brazil, yo, BJJ. Um, and I'll give you a quick shout-out to my sponsors, um, BJJ Keys um, at Just Road Brand, uh, Fuji Sports USA, uh, Kombuche, and Trials and Tribulations. Um, thank you guys for all the support and for believing me uh, throughout my career as well. And thank you, Blake, for having me um, and for allowing me to teach you a little bit of what I know, and I hope it will, you know, you carry that with all your jiu-jitsu journey, for sure. Oh, hell yeah, man. Lifelong buddies. So, can't wait to have you again sometime. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure, man. There you have it. Another episode. Wrapped it up. Cook it in the books. Ding, ding. There's the bell, son. And guess what? It was all conducted by your host, producer, media artist, social media boss, extraordinaire, at Blake Abedes. And if this were a show like Letterman, I'd be telling you, everyone, to give a round of applause for our guest, Kyle Oliveira, with such showmanship, panache, and fervor, as such JT Barnum would be envious. However, I digress. Exciting weekend coming up, folks. Uh, we resume with some fights. Uh... Headlined by Tyron T. Wood Woodley and Gilbert Torino Burns. Should be a dynamite of a fight. Uh, you know, you might know your boy T. Wood is uh, one of the, one of the, you know, one of the two in that Archangels rap group. You're not going to find any of their music on the MM Altogether Deep Cuts, but, you know, that uh, it could be your cup of tea. Not mine. But uh, let's just say I ain't going to fall in love with it, baby, but it might fall in love with you. I digress. Uh, and also, another exciting fight on the card, Antonina Shevchenko fights against Caitlin Chukagian, and that headlines the prelims, and I'm sure if you pay attention to MMA media, you're going to get one of those random-ass stats where it's like, Caitlin Chukagian, the first female athlete to go in back-to-back combat exhibitions with sisters. And, you know, how many female MMA fighters have there been historically? How many sister tandem partners? Definitely a cool, cool happening, occurrence, singularity, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, I just don't really like when people grasp at straws for those, like, crazy-ass stats. It's like, you know, the Reds haven't won this many games in October since Johnny Bench, Pete Rose, and the Big Red Machine all wore red hats in consecutive Tuesdays. Um, the data can show anything you want it to based on how it's modeled, so... Uh, just my little fucking PSA for the week. I'm going to get off that one real quick. Wrap it up with a few things. 
Again, I want to shout out uh, the company I've been working with lately. It's not a show sponsored by any means, but Nine Lives Jiu-Jitsu. Um, if you hear me and listen to me speak, I'm all about learning through life, learning all sorts of lessons. And, you know, the brand is, uh, you know, cats are said, again, Nine Lives Jiu-Jitsu, and their brand is a is a cat if you check out ninelivesbjj.com. But it's cats are said to have nine lives, which is derived from how frequently they escape death using stealth and athletic prowess. On the mat, a simple tap, and you get a new life to start over with the knowledge you have gained. Each time you come back stronger, wiser, and therefore, you'll begin to tap less, especially when you roll like you have nothing to lose. So I really wanted to close the episode on this message because I know summer's coming around, states are lifting up their restrictions. As I mentioned previously, we've been in quarantine for three months. That's a quarter of the year. What have we learned about ourselves? Let's take that into the rest of our lives. Because this has truly been a time to learn if you've used it to. If not, you know, start learning. It's never too late. I hate it when people push off their future for something that hasn't happened yet. Or push off a dream because they haven't accomplished something else. Take accountability. Take responsibility of your life. No one's going to save you. No one's going to help you like you can. So love yourself and be there for yourself and be your own champion. You know? Nine lives. A little bit of peace, understanding, love, and positivity to end the episode, folks. Again, summer's coming around. Everyone's going to be eager and excited to get out and about. Maybe instead of honking at the guy who sits at the red light for just a brief second too long and it pisses you off or get annoyed with people who leave their shopping carts in the center of the in the center of the parking lot. And to those people I have to say there is a special ring reserved in hell for all of you. Um <laughs> not totally counterintuitive to the peace component, but you know, let's uh Let's not let that upset us, you know? Let's just be easy with it. Be at peace with it. Give the gentleman another few seconds to get off of his phone posting a tweet and let him get on with his day. Just take that cart and put it in a cart return bin. Ain't no big deal there, playa. Where do you have to be? You already at the store? Fuck, maybe even use that shopping cart. You think they all getting sanitized between each and every use? Only if you're doing it. Again, be your own champion. Understanding, understand that life gives you an opportunity every day that you wake up and you take that first breath. What you do with that is entirely your own. I've already said it. We've had three months in quarantine. What have you done with it? What have you learned about yourself? What action are you going to take during however long quarantine fucking resumes? If it comes back for a second bout... If it never comes back again, how are you going to use this to propel your own life? And a lot of this dies, dials back in to self-love. I know I sound preachy here, but taking accountability and responsibility for your own life is self-love. And you'll find that you'll project yourself to higher altitudes than you maybe even ever thought. Because, you know, Prince Charming ain't coming for everybody. I can uh, count on maybe two hands the amount of Disney princesses where they came. And honestly, they were kind of shitbirds. So that is what it is. And positivity, I say it every week. It sure as shit beats negativity. But uh, I do want to shout out a friend of mine, uh, Leah Brady. Uh, she's not in the MMA scene by any means. She's just an old friend of mine that I know from somebody that I used to know. And on her Instagram story... She had a post this week of four batteries, and she said, positive batteries only do not work. And that's true. There needs to be balance in all things. You need the negative to have the positive to complete the circuit. So acknowledge when the negativity happens because it's integral in order for your circuit to resume. Just remember that. Without those negative days, there can't be those positive days. And vice versa. You can't have those positive days without the negative days. But that's all I got for you this week. Next week, we're going to be joined by a guest, Juan Avila. He's an amateur MMA fighter. 
friends and colleagues with my roommate and friend, AC3PICO. So got a good one in store for you. If you have any comments, notes, anything you'd like to share with me, the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of, less of, if you'd like to be on the show, show bookings, etc., feel free to DM me on either of the social media outlets. That's MM Altogether Podcast at MM Altogether Podcast. Find us on Instagram and Twitter or email the show, and that's MM Altogether Podcast at gmail.com. Till next time, Elvita Zan Glops. Glops.